to master something, you need to have somebody above you that coaches you, somebody on your level that let's talk about sparring, you spar with people that are better than you, people that are the same as you to, to push you, but also to teach people because teaching is really where we learn. And I remember watching people throughout the process doing the training and, and doing their sparring and I realised how much value I had to give because I'd learned so much and you think you're staying in the same space until you look back and see where you were. You never feel like you're getting better. I never feel like I'm getting better. But then I look back and I'm like, oh my goodness, I was so hideous before. I thought I was still the same hideousness, but it's changed. Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. Today's guest has learned this as a businesswoman, performance coach, and boxer. From the comfort, predictability, and safety provided by the corporate world to the lessons and letdowns in and out of the boxing ring. Today, Tiffany Cook joins me behind the mic to talk about her experiences working in business, sport, high performance coaching, and personal development. And of course, her journey as a competitive boxer. Tiffany, welcome to the show. It's so great to have you on. Rachel, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be with you. So I'm really excited to talk all about your journey with boxing, all the different lessons that came with that. So I'd love to know to start with what originally drew you to become interested in boxing? Oh, so many lessons, Rachel, so many lessons. It's funny. Gee, when was it? 2012, I had my first introduction to boxing and that was by way of what drew me into it. I think was just a bit of attention seeking really, if I'm honest. <laughs> I always loved doing things that weren't typical and and extra points if they weren't typical for girls. And I remember going to watch a talk on resilience by Paul Taylor and former Navy air crew officer. And so we lo looked at a lot of the interrogation training and he was a gym owner. And so learning about this connection between our biology and our physiology and our mind and mindset. And that was a really inspiring talk. And then we went downstairs and had a grand tour of his gym facility and underneath their functional training gym, there was a boxing, the basement boxing, and there was a poster up on this 12 week boxing challenge. And it just was my opportunity to do something uncouth. And I was like, hey, can girls do this? So I signed up to that. I'd never thrown a punch at a person's face in my life. And yeah, I signed up to that experience. And I just never knew at the time what it was going to deliver. I really, like those 12 weeks were... <sighs> next level I told everybody I just can imagine I told everybody that they were gonna have to buy a ticket I'd sold tickets for $250 for people to come and watch that everyone had to come and watch me this professional boxing bout it was going to be aired on Fox Hill it was a big deal and and I remember two weeks in we started doing a bit of partner work where we were floating our hands across and learning about blocking punches and where to place our gloves and how to turn our how to roll with the punch and <laughs> I couldn't keep my eyes open <laughs> and I had a knot in my throat and I remember just feeling so confronted with the whole thing and I was like, what the hell am I going to do? I have sold tickets to this every, hundreds of people know I'm doing this. How embarrassing, I can't even keep my eyes open and this isn't even a real punch yet. And that was really the tone of that experience over the 12 weeks was just fear and discomfort and terror and 
getting uncomfortable and committing to something and commitment was certainly not something that I was best mates with, but turning up into that time and time again. So yeah, I look back now and I'm, I don't think I walked in with my eyes fully open mm. as to what got me into boxing, but it's certainly a sport and I'm sure other people have been introduced to it or, or thrown themselves in head first like I did in that specific way of committing. To, I wonder if I, if I didn't commit to a fight like that with an event like that, I'm not, I don't think I ever would have found it and I don't think I ever would have gone through with it. Mm. If I had have sparred first, if I had have tested the waters, if I had have asked someone to teach me boxing and had a bit of a play around, I don't reckon I ever would have stepped into that space. So it was the jumping in head first and it changed my life. Like it, it, it literally changed so much of how I perceived the world that I lived in and what was within my control and what wasn't and what was on the other side of fear and what potential meant and what self-talk was compared to what we perceive it to be. And I think like I'm still to these, to this day, figuring out new lessons. I'm still, every time I talk about it, a new realization of something that I can link up with a change or a switch or a and it's, so I love it. I love the process of it. I still love, I love thinking about it. I love talking about it. Have you ever been punched in the face? No, I haven't. I haven't. I do martial arts though. It's a relatively new thing. I'm doing it for about a year. So far, I haven't actually been punched in the face. We do obviously the blocking and the, the partner work, but not to quite the level of, of the boxing. But I think, interesting for me personally, doing the self-defense, it really builds your confidence. And even though I don't anticipate or I hope that I'm never going to come across a situation where I have to divert a punch or be anything like that, but just having the, the training and just the, the mental component of it as well as the focus and the discipline and working on something to perfection, I find that is a really, just a really great way to train and just have that as, as part of my life. For you, did you find that with the training, but also you're doing it from like leading up to a competition. So I think it will be a little bit different in mindset and the, the way that you'd approach that. Yeah. Oh, you make really interesting points there. And I think that there is that confidence. And this is why I've remained so passionate about teaching people. And really, mainly, I, I love teaching the fundamentals. I love teaching complete beginners. I love teaching women because there's just this sense of something that comes with the ability to use what we have and find power and control within that control of our emotions control of our behaviors control of our reactions more so i find that they're interesting in that whole self-defense defending oneself standpoint people would often say especially at the start like oh you must feel really safe that you can handle yourself now if someone attacks you and i was like actually funnily enough if someone attacked me in the street I think I'd run, I'd just run. I wouldn't feel, I wouldn't fight. Like it was really different. Some people would, some people I know will do this type of training and be like, yeah, now I know I can X, Y, Z. But what I've gained is this trust in my physical ability and my decision-making and the way that I control my mind and think. So there's this certainty that I have around making the best decisions and mm having the best physical action or reaction to a circumstance. And that is a type of confidence within itself. And I think 
one of the biggest lessons I've learned in this training space is that it just oozes out into your being and who you are in the world. And first, it very abrasively showed me who I was, which was a hell of a shock, to say the least. Learning, like meeting myself for the first time inside the boxing ring and going, oh my goodness, who is this? And who have I tried to be in the world? And gee, we have to pull the whole thing down and look at the foundation here because it's a mess. But then understanding that all of these little behaviors, like I just thought that I was obsessed with boxing for a couple of years and doing the boxing and like just being a kid in this adult world and I'd still go to work. But it was interesting to look back after a couple of years and see how the professional tiff had evolved and how my business had evolved and my decision-making and the way that I interacted with people and my relationship with everything around me in all the other facets of my life had changed through things that I hadn't realized the value in at the time, but things like stepping into the discomfort, things like just turning up every single day whether it felt good or didn't feel good committing to things making sacrifices sacrificing short-term and long-term pleasure you know like bypassing instant gratification making hard decisions for a long-term goal and understanding values understanding what's driving I was so my interest was so piqued by it was the first thing that I didn't feel naturally good at that I chose to continue And it was literally the first time in my life. If someone didn't tell me I was good at something and and I didn't prove it from the get-go, then I wouldn't do it because I'm not good at it, in inverted commas. This thing, I I did this first fight, and yes, I won, but I simultaneously thought I was the worst person in the boxing gym. There was these two thought processes in my mind at the same time, and one of the voices was saying, you this is so embarrassing you're so much worse than everybody else you're so like people think you're ludicrous you're you don't know how to box you don't know how to move blah 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 blah. all of the things but then simultaneously there was this sense of determination and a knowing like this knowing obsessive knowing that something inside me there was a relentlessness I just remember going for walks especially prior to that first fight all of this visualization all of this just sitting inside this feeling inside myself going nobody nobody knows like nobody wants this as much as me like nobody everyone will see that I have my own back so despite the fact that I think I'm the worst person in the gym and I'm hideous and I'm this and I'm that and oh my goodness how am I going to win everyone's so much better than me I just it was like I had this secret that was like I will show you that I have got my own back Mm. and I think that was such a high value for me and I hadn't articulated it at the time. It's only in looking back at it, I can start to articulate what was that feeling and where, how did it become such a value that it actually took, made me take the action required to get the result that I wanted. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's really interesting. I do go on tangents, so you can just cut me off and reel me in any time. <laughs> tangents are great. I think tangents, we get to some of the really good stuff when we, we dive into tangents, I feel. Um, <laughs> Something that one of my coaches told me when I I did competitive artistic roller skating as a teenager, and one of my coaches said, it's 20% physical talent and it's 80% 
mindset. And you're talking about the self-talk and these two different like competing thoughts that you're having. So when you, and also you're talking about like really committing and showing up every day, I'd love to really look at the mindset that you had to develop, whether you even did it consciously or not, like the mindset that you had to have to be successful, feel like you were successful in the boxing ring. This is interesting. I, When I first started podcasting, a question I would often ask athletes because it grabbed, tugged at my attention, and that was, does greatness and success in kind of any area of our life, but especially I look at athletes with this because of some, especially boxing and things where it's disproportionate to what you get from it. And look at boxing. No, Like I remember competing in 2014 and 15 in the amateurs and thinking me and my housemate would compete and we were just obsessed. It was like our life. Boxing is life. And so we don't get paid for it. And guess what? Go and speak to everyone I know and ask them if they can name a female Australian boxer. And I'm like, they, they probably can't and neither can I. Like there's no significance around it. There's no money for it. There's no, you know, it's disproportionate, the value that was put on it. But so I asked these athletes and people, like does it come from a negative space? What makes something worth pushing so hard for? Why do we sacrifice so much? And I think that in the beginning, there are a lot of things like the need for significance, the, the pull towards needing to be worthy of something I think drove me it was I need to show people I, I moved from Tassie when I was about 20 I think uh, 19 I moved from Tassie so I left my family and I came here and I really had this big persona and and I wanted to show people what I could do and really it was a, seeking a sense of worthiness I, I want to be worth so I want to show you that I'm worthy I'm worthy of love I'm worthy of praise look I'm really good at stuff watch me be good at stuff and that drove me to turn up into the discomfort also this stepping into I've got goosebumps now I think of stepping into the boxing gym the first time and inside boxing gyms there is a sense of family and boxing gyms to me it delivered that like a smack in the face there was this family that you connected you and you all found something this likeness of something that you were there for and and family was something that it, it really drew me in. So it was, there were, there's always flip sides to coin. So I was like, all right. So there were these things that I was lacking that I was finding in this space, which made me push through the hard stuff. And I think along the way, I look at some of those drivers and I think if we can eventually get to know them and understand them and, and then flip things and use it as part of a journey, sometimes good things become coping mechanisms like addiction can happen in sport and exercise just as it can in drugs and alcohol it's an escape and I'm sure that especially earlier times in my life exercise has been an, an escape so it tips over into the not so healthy like something's healthy until it's not mm-hmm. and so I always keep my eye out for stuff like that. I've gone on a tangent again. Can't even remember where your questions are starting, <laughs> Rachel. I'm just winding around the road. <laughs> no, that, that, that's great. I would just starting to touch on the mindset, developing a mindset inside the boxing room. And I guess how it's transformed over time. You start to answer the question. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I look back and I see what the first thing was just the commitment of turning up because I was drawn in by those things that were, were impacting me. I was drawn in by 
the desire to have this connection and this desire to have worthiness, which made me turn up. And then within that space, you see what, especially things like boxing, one day you're good, one day you're shit. One day you're good and you know you're good and one day you're shit and you know you're shit. The next day you come in and you know you're good but you're actually shit. And what's even worse is some days you go in and you know you're shit but actually then you've been told that you've been the best you've ever been and it's, oh, what a fickle sport. It's not the sport, it's my mind. What a fickle mind. What a fickle reality. So it was understanding the nuances between how I'm perceiving things and the reality of it and that emotions and thoughts and mindset and performance and then outcomes are all completely different and separate things. Knowing what to listen to and when and what means what. I mean, I just, I, I'm just fascinated by that. I just, I remember this time sparring a girl. She was far more, 10 years more experienced than me, a couple of weight divisions higher. And so she was brilliant to spar with and just absolute weapon hit body shots that would to send pain through my entire right through to my spine and I remember sparring her one day and I sat down afterwards and I was sitting on a stool and just down on my you know I was really frustrated and I remember taking my headgear off and coach comes over and says, what's wrong with you and I was just rolled my eyes I was just sick of whatever I had a bit of a whinge and eh, just not sick of that improving it's like girl are you serious no one's ever put pressure on her the way you just did no one in this gym has ever done that the way you just did and by the way that's the best you have ever sparred and I just looked at up at him. And I'm like, "What a shit sport!" <laughs> Hope you can swear on this show. What a yeah. crap sport when I can do the best that I've ever done, and I'm the last to know. Mm. So it was just another lesson of oh, don't always go by what you think the reality is. Like it's turning up, keeping your eye on the prize. The mindset thing is sometimes. What we think, what we think, and what we say to ourselves—that's evolved over years for me. And eventually, you reap the rewards of the whole like gratitude journals and positive affirmations and retraining how I speak and how I view the world. And I remember going through times of feeling so sensitive to the spoken word that if people around me would be negative. I'd get really snappy with them because I was like, don't get on that in my realm. Get your negative language. Like I would get frustrated and angry at them because I didn't want to wash off on me because I'm trying to change my language. Yeah. And, but you know, when, when COVID hit and this chaos hit and I, it was probably one of the biggest times that I went, oh, all that work I did, you know, my mindset had finally shifted to such a point where that happened. And in the moment I was like, this is going to be okay. I don't know what it is, but it's going to bring a really positive change into my life. This is an opportunity. And then I went, oh, look at me thinking that without happening to, to redirect, without happening to deliberately redirect. And then I went, that didn't happen overnight. That happened over 10 years. Like that was 10 years of work to develop that mindset. But gee, I'm thankful I did. So it's, I think it's a brilliant mindset is a never-ending process but such a beneficial one yeah and what I love about sport and dedicating yourself to it and going at it looking at you know I want to improve my boxing and you go in and you're doing the mental work because you want to become a better boxer you've got this tunnel vision sometimes you don't see it seeping into every other area of your life and like you said you wake up one day and you catch yourself going hang on a second I've reaped all these benefits 
that I was focusing on it for one specific area of my life, but it really just changes you as a person without you even realizing it straight away. Yeah, I've got to think of a better term for this, but I described it once as boxing. I've always called it my metaphor to life. It's like having this little model of your life you get to play, pull the levers with and, and see what happens. And I called it once that it's like a voodoo doll for, for <laughs> life. Like you get to play with the the physical stuff and see it. And when we can, I think the power is just seeing when we see things, it's really easy to use gym analogies, put stress on the body, get stronger. And then you can go, same thing happens with the mind, but you can't say without using the body analogy, you can't say that with the mind because then you have to, you're leaving it up to complete imagination. It's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, whatever. I'll believe it when I see it, eh? So I just, I think physical sport is, it's the gateway for human potential in everything because once we can see, and for some people that is sport and performance, for some people it is getting control over our physiology. It's the ability to do a bodybuilding composition and step on stage. For some people it's performing on, I'd love to do bloody roller, (laughs) roller. That is awesome. What a great sport. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah, something I didn't even know existed until, you know, I got turned up to the skating rink and do a couple of beginner classes and they go, hey, do you know about this? And so, yeah, it was, yeah, How it was a good great. time. How great. What, like, what did you learn from that process? Oh, so many things. It's hard to really just, yeah, pick one, but definitely self-discipline, having to turn up and do your own training as much as you have a coach or multiple coaches to guide you, you have to turn up and put in the work yourself or you're not going to get anywhere. Definitely the positive self-talk, especially if you're turning up to training and you're thinking, oh, that was shit today and this was crap today and I couldn't do that today, then you're not going to get anything positive out of that. So trying to, learning to Re- refocus okay that wasn't good today either we'll try again tomorrow or we'll learn something from that or yeah really um changing the way that you talk to yourself yeah there's so many different lessons and like I was saying before you go into it thinking of the physical outcomes of I want to win the competition what does that mean with the physical training but it's so much a mental game. And I think that for me, it really set the foundation for later in life. Like I did this all through my teenage years. And then when I gave that away and I went to university and started working, I still had a bit of a foundation of all that mental work that I'd done. I hadn't really recognized it at the time, but then also going into doing this podcast that's all come back. And I thought, you know, I learned this from this experience. I learned that from this coach and it was all there whereas if I hadn't gone into the sport at all I don't know I could have a totally different mindset and outlook on life so yeah Yeah. really beneficial in so many areas yeah and I think something like that that performance side performing it's so interesting to me performance performing and dealing with the emotional effects of performance is huge because you the way you can master something compared to the way you master it when all of a sudden there's all of the fight or flight hormones pulsing through your body and then all of a sudden it's, oh, this is no longer familiar. Like Mm. my fights never looked or felt anything like any of the sparring sessions, which was such a mind game. It's oh, this is not physical now. Like how do I unpack whatever subconscious story is happening? What do I need to tell myself? What behavior, what movement, what 
state do I need to be? Like, where is the glitch in the system that's changing this experience from something I do literally every single day, sparring and preparing with people that are far better than me and far better than the people that I'm fighting. But then when I get into that boxing ring on fight day, the feeling of that experience and just hang on, I'm not being me I don't I don't feel like me I don't do think things aren't the same right now and then it's just a whole nother le- like my favorite my favorite part about without fail about boxing training is the drive home sometimes the drive there but the drive home <laughs> because there's my coach lives or trains a good almost 40 45 minutes close to an hour away so I see him I've only just started going back to do some sessions with him but I would so it was an, an hour's drive home nearly each night after training and just the it's like this down like you almost feel this subconscious download and and like little pennies would drop and go oh you know like oh that doesn't just happen in the boxing ring that happens in life so Mm. if I address that in the boxing ring I'll address that in life and vice versa I had three years off training I tore my labrum and start so my shoulder and started being a boxing coach so I left my corporate job and became boxing coach and tore my labrum and I didn't compete for three years. And in that three years, I started doing some pretty, a lot of psychological work. So within this boxing experience of mine, those first couple of years, it also brought to the surface childhood trauma. So I've gone, oh, what's going on here? All these memories start popping up. Oh, that's interesting. Buried that. Didn't think that existed. For me, that was childhood sexual trauma. And so I spent three years addressing what I saw as being the trick to overcoming that in that I knew that it was going to change me as a fighter it was going to change me as a boxer and it was a big question I asked myself like when you go in and work on emotions that's going to change some of the biggest strengths in the boxing ring and for me that's things like dissociation you know not getting emotional in the boxing ring boxing ring big win because you're operating on a different level start mm-hmm. dragging emotion in there all of your responses change all of your reactions change I love that. I love. I loved it. Vice versa, going. Well, if I do this out here, then I change in there. If I do this in here, then I'll change out there. Such a. It's such a great marriage to things. Yeah, that's awesome. So then, moving into coaching, I imagine that is a whole different ball game. Oh, huge! In that three years, it was really the biggest surprise was within that three years that I was injured, and it was right after I'd quit my real job to be just a boxing coach. Two months after that, tore my labour and was told I wasn't allowed to hold pads, so that was awkward. But within that time of not being able to train at all apart from re- shoulder rehab, coming out of that, I, I realised I'd learned more as a fighter teaching others than I had as a student doing the work, and that was a really profound learning. And I... I remember since people have said, I don't can't remember who or maybe I read it in a book, this idea about to master something, you need to have somebody above you that coaches you, somebody on your level that let's talk about sparring, you spar with people that are better than you, people that are the same as you to, to push you, but also to teach people because teaching is really where we learn. And what was interesting to me is I never planned to be a PT. I did the qualifications because I had the ability to do them at a really great rate. So I did that just out of interest. And as I was finishing the course, one of my people I network with, he said, oh, when do you finish your course? 
which had taken me two years because I had no intention of using it, aside from doing maybe a weekly boxing class at one of the gyms I worked uh, that I trained at. And he said, I was like, oh, this weekend. And he goes, okay, you're my trainer now. You just tell me how many sessions a week and how much. And I was like, what? And that happened with two or three of the people that I knew. So all of a sudden I was like, okay, okay, I'm a coach too now. <laughs> I train people. And I got busy really quickly. I, within six months I quit my job. But what was really interesting to me was the job, the, the first boxing gym I worked out of was the one where we did the corporate challenges. And so I, one of my friends, someone I'd met at a different boxing gym, she joined that gym to do the corporate boxing challenge. And she chose me as her coach. And I remember thinking, I remember saying, I can't, I can't, like, I'm a beginner. I'm a novice. I've, I, but I, by this time I had, I'd done three or four of those competitions. Then I'd gone out and I'd trained with other boxing clubs and I'd done maybe three or four amateur fights. So I'd had quite a range of experience in different, and you, you just never gauge your experience. So I remember thinking, I can't train people to fight. I know nothing. I'm a beginner. I'm like, blah, 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 blah. But then I came back into this space and I remember watching people throughout the process doing the training and, and doing their sparring. And I realized how much value I had to give because I was, because I'd learned so much and I'd for, you, you think you're staying in the same space until you look back and see where you were. You never feel like you're getting better. I never feel like I'm getting better. But then I look back and I'm like, oh my goodness, I was so hideous before. I thought I was still the same hideousness, but it's changed. And now I'm a lot better at a lot of things. And I have a deeper understanding and I had this innate ability because the technique and coordination was not innate to me, but I valued it in the way that my mind works and the way that I used my body in that arena. I had such value on and and it, and I think a really great ability to to coach and train all sorts of different people to understand movements and get the get them to get it and actually transform. I could watch people and see where they were, how their technique was playing out, where their movement was starting. Was it starting? Where are they, where is their balance? How are they using their body? Is their mind on their hand? or their hip or their shoulder. And that makes a big difference to technique. Like where's that punch coming from? And sometimes it, the easiest way to to change a technique is not about the end result. It's like before you throw the punch, I want you to pull your elbow so tight into your ribs and think about only that and the punch will look after itself. When I do that, I'll throw a ripper of a right hand. And I'm like, all I do when people are like, oh, nice right hand, I'm like, all I do is focus on pulling my arm into my rib the entire time and then I just let the movement happen. When I do that and forget about the rest, I throw the greatest punch. So it's the understanding. I loved that. And the, for me, the satisfaction of watching someone gain their own confidence through that physically and just knowing. I don't need, I don't need people to tell me I don't need to watch. I know that that their life will transform from these small things to a degree, to a level. And I love that. I value that so much that it just makes it rewarding for me. I love to share what I've learned and where I'm at. And I know that 
allows other people to share and I just love that I love the ability to to input because I know where I came from I know my level of ability and how I felt about it so for me the beauty was hey I won my first fight hey my first amateur fight I won a novice state title like how ridiculous like you guys from the outside that know me only as a boxing coach and uh, someone that won a novice title you know me as that but that's not who I was and that's not where I started in fact you're way more confident and competent than I was. So if I can do this, then you can do even bigger. God knows what you can do. And that, I think that's so exciting. Like I never yeah. forget that. Yeah, I think coaching and teaching and passing things on to people is, it's almost more rewarding, I think, than achieving something yourself. Yes. Yeah, it is. It is. I just think there's nothing more rewarding. It's so good. Yeah, absolutely. Another thing I'd just love to talk about before we wrap up, because I was listening to another one of your episodes talking about working with the idea of trauma. And just before you mentioned like that kind of disassociation, I don't know, that happens to you know, people that work in any kind of emergency field or ambulance or police or anything like that. I'd love to talk about some of the things that you found just your curiosity with that and working with people who work in these fields and and also your perspective from boxing, you sort of about making you a better boxer in the moment because you're kind of disassociating from that emotion. Yeah, oh, you nailed that. I So in, in 2020, when we went into lockdown, I had this opportunity to work with the Ambulance Victoria paramedics. And this is where, for me, the whole podcasting journey started. So I had this ability to train them over Zoom, and that was great. And then I started doing, as a part of that, I started a Feel Good Friday session, which was for anyone that didn't want me screaming down the end of a Zoom screen to do burpees and push-ups. It's like, <laughs> maybe some people just want to connect. So I yeah. want to be able to support all people. Like, come in, we'll have a chat, we'll have a laugh, whatever. We'll have a cup of tea or a red wine. And then that evolved into, hey, I've got really cool people in my network that I can pull in to talk to these guys. I'll give them some value, mindset, whatever people can talk about. Some, and then the stories of resilience and survival. And then I was like, oh, maybe I could do a podcast. But in the middle, so when I started this, I got to know these incredible humans and get an insight to their life and their work. And I'm like, wow, like... What, at the same time I was studying epigenetics. So there's all of these, and I bring all of this up because it, it fed how my mind wandered and took really curious lines of thought around it. But I noticed the first thing that made me inquisitive about boxing is why is, did this thing drag me back in when it's so uncomfortable and I don't feel good at it? Why do I feel this weird underlying pull towards walking towards that? And then when I chose to walk towards it and it unraveled some of the uncomfortable stuff and the trauma, and then I drew the alliance of why am I comfortable? So why does everyone ask me why I'm not scared of a punch in the face? And why aren't I scared of a punch in the face? Well, if I'm not scared of a punch in the face, what am I scared of? And then the answers to that, they were uncomfortable. I was like, I'm scared of vulnerability. I'm scared of getting close to people. I'm scared of people seeing me. I'm scared of not wearing the persona that I've been getting around wearing my whole life. I'm scared of seeing what's underneath that. And, but then I realized, so these strengths in the boxing ring were actually coping mechanisms. All the things that I identified with growing up of being strong and resilient and independent and I'm a go-getter and I'm loud and I'm this and I'm that. And it was like, actually, that's all a big facade. And underneath that, I'm terrified of some stuff, but all of that 
has come as a coping mechanism from a negative experience as a child. So there's there's pros and cons. But I, so I went, what is driving emergency service workers and the likes? What's driving these types of people? Is it an ep- epigenetic thing? Is it an epigenetic difference that draws people into that field of work? Or is it a resonance with some sort of an upbringing? Is it who chooses trauma? Who chooses to walk into, it's not even their trauma, they're walking into someone else's trauma. They're, they're comfortable in trauma. Now I was comfortable in the boxing ring. I had this sense of comfort and safety inside a little square ring where someone's trying to punch you in the face in front of everybody. I'm like, that's weird. That's not normal. That's weird. That's not what a typical human chases. So I was like, what's driving that? And the same thing, like, here's people, they're walking out, there's trauma, it's not theirs. They don't even get the good side of that. Like they go and then they clean up and they go to the next job. They're not always there to see the good side of their job. They trust that it exists. If they turn up, they're saving lives, but they never get to see the good side of that. And I was just really intrigued by that, what's driving it. And then how do we operate? How do we operate happy and healthy in the functioning of that? Okay, so if I step into the boxing, every time I step into the boxing ring, I'm activating fight or flight. Fight or flight feels safe to me because I've obviously spent a period of my time in that state. And in that state, I developed coping mechanisms that gave me a sense of safety. So there's this familiar, the familiar is safe. I have that theory that sometimes the familiar like the familiar feels safe, which is why some people can step into unsafe situations and feel safe there. And the rest of us are like, what is going on with that? Why do they keep doing that? Why do they keep going there? Why do, you know, like that's not safe. Why do they, but it's familiar, which our bodies and brains interpret as safety. So yeah, I, it fascinated me. And then it's, and then we get to pull the levers on what, how do I, then how do I, look after myself in the middle of activating that fight or flight. How do I make sure I can take part in this? But also same with, I looked at the emergency services and I went, there's shift work and there's heightened emotions and there's love and there's care and there's an emotional investment. And then you can't, Brené Brown says it, you can't numb the hard stuff, the hard emotions without numbing the other emotions. You can't turn off you're, or suppress an emotion for eight hours, then unsuppress it and go home. And so I was really intrigued by how do we manage all of this and stay happy and healthy? Because there's suppressing, like how much of resilience is when we look at people, anyone, how much is resilience and how much is just dissociation? Mm-hmm. This dissociation cannot often be wrapped up in resilience. There's been a lot of times when I've been really resilient, really I'm just in the middle of a disassociated state. Mm-hmm. I'm just not reacting and I'm not aware of it because I'm in the middle of it. So it's watching all of that play out. And again, I think that's why I value that. When I chose to not compete anymore, which is up in the air at the moment, if I'm entirely honest, <laughs> but um, when I went, oh, I'm not going to compete anymore. But if I don't box, I do need something that delivers that edge, that punch, that and for me, a friend took me uh, a year or so ago rock climbing up a mountain. I'd been indoor rock climbing once, got no idea how to do it. <laughs> he takes me up a mountain and up I go and abseiling down by myself. And I'm like, this is, te- it, I was te-, and I was like, there it is. There's that feeling, mm. right? I need my 
I need my body to produce those hormones to get me to the edge so that I can work on who I am in the in the moments that matter. And I work on how to control the uncontrollables, how to control me in the middle of what cannot be controlled. I love that. I just, I really value and adore that process, but it comes with a lot of discomfort. Did yeah. that answer your question at all? Yeah. Or did I do another circle and roundabout? <laughs> Look, we're just a great, I'm not sure where we started with that one, but that, it was a really great tangent. So I find it fascinating though. I'd say like for me, whilst I'm probably not going to go to the extreme of the abseiling down a rock face, I'll use the example that I've used a few times is starting this podcast was absolutely terrifying. And I was sitting there for my first episode, just crapping myself. I was like, I, I can't do this. I can't do it. But I thought, if I don't do it now, I'm never going to do it. And now I jump on and it's great and it's fun and it's easy. But then I'm going, okay, what's the next thing? And then the next thing was a friend talked me into doing some YouTube videos. I'm like, oh, when you're doing the podcast, the spotlight's kind of on the other person and it's not as daunting. But then if the spotlight is 100% on me, that's terrifying. And now I jump on and talk and that's easy. And it just keeps being this, okay, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? What's the next thing? It definitely becomes an addiction you know I think we'll circle back to an earlier talking point just looking for that next thing to stretch yourself I think can become an addiction yeah and I love it I think that's where all growth lies because I think that when we we're going to feel those emotions anyway Mm. but if we don't stretch the I don't know like the I can't think of the word for it like we don't push out our experiences to bigger things like we're going to feel those emotions anyway so if we live a small life Mm. at some point we're going to feel anxiety we're going to feel discomfort anyway so Mm. it's whether or not you feel discomfort going to a birthday party and having to meet four new people that you don't know you're going to feel anxiety so why not push that anxiety out to an experience like I'm going to do a YouTube video then meeting four strangers at a birthday party I'm not going to even notice it's not even going to hit my radar So I don't know, I always look at like that. I think use those emotions on some stuff that's going to stretch you and make you grow and yeah, I love it. Absolutely. Well done you, (laughs) YouTube star. (laughs) It's bloody hard. It's, It's so hard and it's so different. Yeah, I think it's one of those things. You look at other people doing it, like, go on them, look at how easy it is for them. And they oh, but I couldn't possibly do that. But then all those people, they all started where you started. And no matter what it is in life that you choose to do, someone started where you were. Like the expert in anything was once a beginner. So, you know, no matter what it is, someone else that you think that is like your idol, they've been there too. Yeah, yeah. And it's that exact conversation that gets people started. Not when my mentor, when I watched them that were billions of light years ahead of me in anything, but the, I just remember so distinctly the day they talked about having imposter syndrome was the day I went, well, if they still feel like that and they're doing X, Y, Z, I better get off my butt like I do stuff now because this feeling, it's not going away. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely, I really love that. So... Yeah. You've got your own podcast as well that we mentioned before, Rolling with the Punches. So roll, give me a roll. little roll with the, oh, I can see in the background, roll with the punches. <laughs> give me a little rundown on that. Yeah, so I started that in the middle of the pandemic, Roll with the Punches. I just talk to, much like yourself, I'm intrigued by people, their experience, the way they 
think, their mindset, their behaviours, their education. So I speak to everyone from oh, coaches and educators and scientists and neuroscientists to survivors to people next door, you know, like I was, I've, I'm just fascinated by humans and it's it's been almost two years and it's 350 conversations and has changed my life. Like I, I'm just astounded at how much I have changed and grown through one hour conversations with amazing humans. And you would know that you would, I'm sure would feel the same. Yeah, absolutely. That's one of my, my favorite things, just getting on and just, yeah, having these awesome conversations. So I'm going to have a link to that in the show notes. I encourage everyone who's listening to go and check that out. It's an awesome show as well. And how else can people connect with you? I'm on all the socials. So Tiffany Cook, Tiffany with a double E or roll with the punches. I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn, Insta, TikTok, but I don't really do much there. It's very, I'm trying to have the patience to be making TikTok things. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, all of the usual haunts across the internet. Excellent. And look, we have covered so many awesome talking points in this show, but if you wanted to leave us with one thing that is the major takeaway from everything we've talked about, what would that be? Start now. Don't wait. Just do it. Whatever it is, you know what it is. It's in your head right now. And you're going, oh, I'm not ready yet. You are ready. (laughs) Yeah, you are ready. Start now. I love it. Tiffany, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It's been awesome to chat with you. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Start now. You know what it is. It's right there inside your head. This is the sign you've been waiting for to tell you to go for it. Head on down to the show notes to listen to Tiffany's awesome podcast, Roll With The Punches, and to find her on all her social media channels. You can connect with me at the Mindset Mastery Podcast on Instagram. And if you've been enjoying the show, it would be awesome if you could leave us a review on your favorite podcast app. So more people like you can join us on this journey towards mindset mastery. Until next time, remember, we are only limited by what we believe we are limited.